Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 145. That looks like Wendy Jones. She's been here before. (laughs) That guy right there. That looks like Fish, Mark Fishman. We're going to find out. Guys, the episode starts right now. So I don't know whether to start with, guess who's back, (laughs) back again, (laughs) or I've got to give the people, (laughs) give the people what they want. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mark Fishman, American Volleyball Coach, USA Volleyball, Resident Savage, and also joining us, doing a little moderation and questions and Q&A and putting her two cents in, Be Better. And, yeah. and the Optimist Journal, yep. Wendy Jones. Welcome, guys. What's up, people? Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Nice. So we, she asked you, because we had a great conversation before we started <laughs> recording, right? She's yeah. like, when did you move out here? And I was like, hold on. Let's continue. When did you move out here? We moved full-time about a year and a half ago, and we've had a house out here for the last seven years. Nice. Cool, man. You live in Hermosa Beach, like me? I live in Hermosa Beach, 34th Street. Living the life. So, Not we, so bad. We, yeah. had a, we had another. Um, so, I'm going to bounce back and forth before we have fun with other players. Uh, Rutgers, you did you did um, some assisting over there, right? Some whatever. Was that around the time Ehor was playing or Igor? It was a, around the same time. Yeah, it was a little bit beforehand. Mm-hmm. I was coaching, I was a setters coach with Bob Rattucci. Yeah. And uh, with John Roberts, who had just left the national team. And we were the three coaches when they went to, fi- to the final four that year. That was great. Our, yeah, the Rutgers went to the Final Four that year. That's right. Wow, what a great time period. Amari, Velasco, Gauchos, right? So, um, Santa Barbara, right? Yeah. Yvonne Contreras later on, Penn State. Jeff Nygaard, UCLA. It's a, that was a great boom period for college volleyball. Mind you, that was right after, what, Dane Blanton, right? Canyon Seaman and them guys. So just name dropping, if you will. Um. Canyon Seaman, who moves back to Hermosa next week. Does he? Yeah. yeah he spent a lot of time in New York, didn't he? Yeah. A little bit, yep. I saw him playing New York Urban with some some old friends, <laughs> uh, which we can definitely talk about later. So a lot of, you have mentored a lot of these the, uh, players coming up. We, we just mentioned some before. I saw so you're currently working with um, Schwangle and Berkey, who made the main draw all the way from qualifier day one and two, Wendy. Last season. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Chrissy Jones is one of my favorite players. Um, I know you've done some work with Theo. So I'm going to ask you a question uh, coming from left field that I, I didn't I didn't tell you I was going to ask. Who who, um, who was your one or two of your mentors when you were coming up and just learning the coaching game? When I was first coming up, I would say Bob Bertucci on the indoor side, mm-hmm. um, who had a, just a storied Hall of Fame career. Yep. And the person that had the biggest impact on me was a gentleman named David Castanon. David Castanon was the head coach at MIT, and he's a multiple-time All-American as a player. Right. And uh, you know, every once in a while, you meet somebody and you go, wow, I'm a lower life form. That guy is just really special. Yeah, he's that guy. At 19, he finished his PhD at MIT, and he was on staff as a professor. And you meet him, and you'd never know. But one of the great minds period in the United States of his generation and he loved volleyball and his ability to analyze volleyball his mathematical understanding his 
way of dealing with people, managing timeouts. It was just such an amazing opportunity to get a world-class education. Yeah. I, um, so Bertucci on your indoor scene, of course. Talk about six degrees of separation, right? That, that man, there's an association with everybody. Yeah. Um, Mario Trebich, that's my mentor. So when Bertucci was doing the camps, um, Mario was doing the camps yep. and I was a, I was a like a court coach so got got to learn a lot I was in the head of a genius of when Mario actually has has the indulgence to sit down and talk <laughs> talk to you so and I met him in um he's coaching the Netherlands I met him in Barcelona I was in the army at the time and I was playing um for a German team as well so and um he ran into me and he's like you should set I was, I was an outside hitter you should set how tall are you I'm like only six one he says what's your wingspan I'm like six eight, and, and I'm left-handed, so set. Um, so great, great six degrees of separations. Who's um? When do you got? You got Luke Turner playing. Thank playing God we at saved Stanford, the Stanford, right? Program. Everybody <laughs> said we wouldn't, but yeah, we don't did. let that fourteen and twelve record fool <laughs> yeah, you, people. Oh, they beat UCLA Twice. in the in the semifinal. Twice. That's last right. Year. <laughs> She's got a bomb. No one said that would happen either. So yeah. That's she's, where the optimism comes from. Yeah. She's, uh, the only reason why I brought you up is I'm like, if your son ever wants to play beach, this might be your guy right here. Yeah. So was, he loves was, to play beach. I yep. was just saying that. So. Yeah. So cool. So Batucci and who, tell me the other guy's name because it bears repeating because he's a name that you don't hear a lot that I know. I heard the name, but say it yeah, again. David Castanon. David Castanon. Nice. So. Let's talk a little bit about how you got involved with the AVP. I remember, again, before the podcast started, you were talking about um, working with Todd a little bit and this and that. So walk, I know, and I think you were by coaster right? You you were kind of bouncing back and forth before you made the command decision to permanently move out here. Am I correct? Yeah, I uh, had met Todd Rogers, and we had been talking about doing some work together. So it was right after he and Phil had stopped playing together. So I had the honor, luxury, pleasure of just sitting and spending hours with him, talking about tape, looking at different angles, talking about different strategies, about specific teams so we could actually uh, have more of a game plan. Because when you're playing with Phil and Todd at that point is, Todd was never the best hitter in the world. He was the best attacker in the world. It's a very good way, very good way of putting that. And his shots, his use of the line, his use of the court, his ability—people forget he was up someplace around eleven five. He was a big jumper. He was big and strong. He could rip cross court. He could hit deceptive angles. But he used the entire court. And when you're playing with Phil, you really don't have to worry as much about what your other team is doing as much as they have to worry about what you're doing well. And after he stopped playing with Phil, who's obviously become the greatest of all time and could do whatever he wanted, the other players he decided to play with, his goal was to develop blockers for the next generation. So you had Ryan, you yeah, had yeah, Avatar, right? You had Avatar, you had Theo Brunner, you had uh, Stafford Slick. There was a group of people that he took under his wing that we worked with together, trying to help create the next generation of blocker. And it was fun. So I was coming out here on, I was flying out on Wednesday nights and leaving on Sundays and we were doing double sessions on, on weekends and I was going back and forth and just having a great time coaching, traveling, being part of some just amazing 
not just friendships, but teams, real teams, a mm-hmm. uh, sense of commitment, sense of loyalty. And to this day, all of those people who we've mentioned are very dear friends of mine. It's pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. Chrissy Jones goes into that category. What a class act. What an amazing human being. Yeah. Todd, Todd was on the show and um, said the same thing. Um, and we went for an hour and a half, but we talked 15 minutes about just the way she uh, conduct the way she carries herself it's like it's like this old school black and white actress like lauren bacall or like sophia she like walks into the room all the men stand and she's like no it's okay <laughs> you know kind of like that so there's a sense of peace of class she understands herself mm-hmm. there's a strength but there's a sense of loyalty no oh. and just most people don't understand that and she's not afraid to have a difficult dialogue done constructively. And that's what makes it so different because there's a lot of the kids in this generation. I don't know, it's, you sound old when you say this generation. Yeah, we but do. But they'd rather text you a message than talk to your face. It's the appearance of conversation, not actually having a conversation. And that's something that she is old school. She really, if something bothers her, you're going to know it. If something's not done constructively, you're going to know it. And it really becomes, as a coach, incredibly easy to focus on her needs because she's clear. She understands them, too. It's really cool. She told me that one of the best things, because she played at Washington for four years. Mm-hmm. And Wendy, you got to jump in and get some questions, because no, no, you, well, you are your sole purpose. The Cal Poly story, like, I went to Cal Wendy, Poly, so I'm Wendy, I'm your big... sole purpose for being here is to make sure I don't take his answers and make them about myself. All right? Yeah, I need you. You know, I, I'm a, I have you know a I stupid ego. I love a good ego, story, but I got and she you. Is, she's the one that makes everything right with the world. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Wendy Jones, all right? Um, yeah, but she said she played four years at Washington, and um, she wasn't trying to disrespect her her predecessor before Todd Rogers. But she said she learned more her grad year about volleyball, like from the neck up, from Todd than she did it at, um, um, almost on a, almost on an even scale, if not more than she you know with Todd Rogers. Todd's an intellectual, yeah, and he applies that intellectual process to anything he does seriously. I'm mm-hmm. um, proud he's my best friend. And I don't say that lightly. Yeah. And when you talk to Todd, if you ask a thoughtful question, you will get a thoughtful answer. Nice. Yep. Mike Zaldio. Or Mike Zaldio says, no way. My man, I was looking forward to AC. Let me know when you're back. Hmm. He's watching us live. We're, we're doing like <laughs> we're doing like 20 minutes live as a hook. So Mike um, Zaldo, I guess he knows you. He says, um, no way. My, <laughs> the, he says, the man, my man. And he says, was looking forward to Atlantic City. Let me know when, you, when, when you're back. He just, uh, I'm he back. Just said that. <laughs> he says, I'm back. Yeah, Todd's building quite a program there at Cal Poly. Yeah. I look at those beach courts and I, I'm, I'm, I'm an alumni. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that campus was already my favorite place on earth. And now that he's building quite a program and pulling in a lot of great players. He won Coach of the Year in 2021, deservingly so. You take um, a look at Cal Poly. Now look, now look at USC and UCLA. So Stein and Dane have a huge advantage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they take all of them, their recruits, as well as John Mayers at LMU. Yeah. But the point is it's an easy place to, to recruit, and they are very good at using that platform, both of them. I yep. mean, they're two. They both won gold. You know, they're, they're both Olympians. 
They've right. done something right. Yeah, I mean, there's only a handful of gold medalists yeah. for beach volleyball, right? There's only like right. 24. So, <laughs> so Dane, Dane, nobody gave it to him. Hats off to Dane. Yeah. Hats off to Stein. Um, what you see is what you get. His integrity is fantastic, and yeah. he's done a wonderful job building a program. Cal Poly is in Stanford. It's not UCLA. So Todd literally has to take a look and figure out what are the right matches for him, for those kids. He always puts the kids first. He's not bringing in lots of extra kids who may or may not play. There's a different level of how he has to recruit, and then he's got to take kids who will be evolving over time because he's not getting that 6'3 kid who's coming into USC. So when you take a look at what he does and you take a look at what a... Derek Olson's building, what a John Mayer's building, what a Todd Rogers has built. There's a reason why they're there. Or Kristen Rohr or yeah. Russell you know, Beth, Van, Beth Van Fleet. Russell, Russell. Brock, let's go yeah. to the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you see exceptional people building exceptional programs. Yeah. It's pretty cool what's happening in this game. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, think, I think those other campuses... Not that, again, not that SC and UCLA are not. I enjoyed watching them all season, and they're amazing. Um, But they pull a different kind of an athlete. And I think as a coach, I would love to see, I think you get a real hardworking, maybe down-to-earth athlete that is attracted to a school like Cal Poly. And dollar for dollar, best deal out there, as as far as education goes. For parents... I'm sorry. You can't get a better education for that. It's a great school. Yeah. It yeah. really is a great school with a storied alumni yeah. population. And you've got one of the nicest people and arguably the best coach in the country working there. So, yeah, yeah. You, your kids are going to come out with an education and prepared to play. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, me, I'm, I'm a prisoner of the moment because I had the pleasure of working with John Mayer for two years. So he's, he's always kind of been my guy. So. Um, and it's no surprise that like WCC coach it is John like West Coast uh, a big West is Todd right and and no surprise like Dane and Steiner are always in, the, in that two horse race in the pack as far as coach it is concerned I think there's also something to be said at USC that Dane puts this immense amounts of pressure on his players and himself where if you don't win the whole thing it's a fail season it's a different kind of pressure that the people he recruits is um, willing to accept so and, and that, that that comes yeah. into play did you see that the AVP final this weekend? There was a lot. There yeah. was a lot of that mentality on that. Yeah, court. there definitely was. Dude. That was some. Yeah. Well, we're like, going to address that in a minute. Yeah. But since we're still on the subject of college, let's do our first lightning round question. All right. So basically, all three of us are going to take a minute. I know you're supposed to moderate because I want I want your opinion on this too on the spillover. So, actually, let's do this. Let's get our our score, our clock. We got our clock. There it is. Thumbs so thumbs up, thumbs down. We have um NCAA next year I think is going to sixteen teams for beach volleyball, but I think it's single elimination instead of double elimination. So um Wendy um a fish, you wanna go first on this one, sixty seconds. Your thoughts on why why you like it or why you don't like it. The floor, my man, is yours. I love that they've given the credibility and the respect to bring sixteen teams in. It's the fastest growing sport in Division One. It's preparing us to continue to be incredibly competitive nationally and internationally. It's just a great thing. So going to 16 teams, overdue, really proud, well done. Going to single elimination, I think is terrible. 
I think they should be running it the right way, same way that we've run other tournaments, give teams the ability to come back and have a uh, contender's bracket and a winner's bracket and finish the whole thing up. Nice. 25 seconds to spare. My man. <laughs> let's reset. Let's pause that. Let's reset that clock for me. All right. So, um, one, I, I echo, in fact, uh, if not parrot, the sentiments that you just said in regards to 16 teams. Long overdue. You got to have more teams in there. That's my computer, how I'm, I'm catching an attitude because the room's warm. Um, and took 10 seconds of my time. But. No, I echo your sentiment in regards to the number of teams. I think you should have more. If there are more teams in the NCAA for B, there should be more spots for the NCAA playoffs. As far as single elimination or double elimination is concerned, I'm lukewarm on both, though I do know as far as know-how is concerned, right? Anyone that's ever watched an AVP like a, a run-of-the-mill event, right? 16 teams in the main draw. It's a three-day event. Double elimination. You can It can be done. It has been done. And with the NCAA, they should be able to do that again, right? It's Since the NCAA, NCAA is going to be a three-day event anyway, right? It's not two days. It's Friday, Saturday, and right. Sunday anyway. Why not just use that and give some of these teams a second chance to come back in and out? Georgia State has shown me something really, really fun, right? Big upset over TCU. And I just heard the horn honk. <laughs> My time is up. But, um, yeah, I guess this might be a debate on agreeing <laughs> yeah. wendy let's add your sentiment yeah. to this please you can give my sentiments but i'm not gonna disagree with you too much i love volleyball i love the growth in women's beach volleyball and yes absolutely 16 teams um i'm a huge fan of the contenders bracket so i love double elimination not single i think you got tired girls you got girls traveling in you don't know what their schedules are maybe something happens and they need another chance. I love, I'm always rooting for the underdog. So I love, I like the contenders bracket and the ability to bounce back. Yeah. And Wendy only needed 20 seconds for that. So we are getting rid of our clock. Um, yeah. I And Wendy, by the way, she has a daughter at TCU. So that too. So she's, 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 uh, she's, playing, um, yeah, and she's one that of those, was, power, that was a, one of those was power moms. A, that was a heartbreaker <laughs> last year. Um, yeah. But. I don't, I don't think a whole season doesn't get summed up on one weekend, but man, that was a tough weekend. No, yeah. you saw Georgia State when you were like, someone checked the forecast in yeah. hell. It just froze over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you think about Micah Ma and the Van Winden family, and yeah. all these, they're all related. It's just yeah. like 400 great volleyball players that are part of this family. Wendy. Wendy's the Kevin Bacon. Exactly. <laughs> She's the six degrees of separation. <laughs> well, one of the other comparisons I thought was a bad comparison was like, you know, men's NCAA volleyball only has like, what, seven teams, six in a play-in. But my defense is those are three out of five sets, and those are a little bit different. Those, those are matches that last a longer time. So I do understand the rationalization of them not having double elimination for men's volleyball. But no, you finish what I'm going to say. I think I know what you're going to say. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Why not have more teams? Well, Why not have more than I'm, seven so, teams? So I'm on the board of something called First Point Volleyball. Oh. Love that. Oh, shit. Did you amazing. hear that, people? Yeah. So yeah. that's it's been started. John Sparrow has been leading it as a gentleman named uh, Maranjaya, who, uh, when he's not working at Ford, was a uh, All-American out of Princeton and played internationally, just a fantastic player. There's all sorts of really legends of the game that are on this board and people who are very successful in the world of business as well. So the whole goal of First Point Volleyball is to reestablish men's volleyball 
in the Division I uh, program settings. We've now got all the, H, uh, all, all the historically black colleges and universities are now involved. We've got um, a bunch of schools in the Northeast getting involved. Um, okay. So there's a lot of schools coming on board with the Division I aspect to be able to grow and help keep men's volleyball competitive. competitive. We also need that food chain so that we can bring it into beach and we can continue yeah. to grow the United States as an Olympic sport and hopefully one day develop enough talent that we have enough critical mass that we can actually develop a pro league in the United States, which I still think is years away. Yeah. For men's we're talking about? For men's and or women's. They All keep right. trying cool. women's pro leagues, but they keep trying to run them in large formats, large venues. You don't have the revenue to do it. You mm-hmm. need to do it in small venues. Do it in small places. Make it economically sustainable, and then you can grow it. Stop looking at the WNBA was funded and is funded by the NBA. Mm-hmm. So the fact is, if you don't have that kind of food chain bringing in economic resources, you fail. So you need to run it, not just because I want to get paid because I'm a volleyball player, but I also have to be able to build the grassroots business so that it can succeed. I agree. And I think you're going to. I think you're seeing a lot of people really working on that right now. It's you a pretty guys, cool opportunity. You guys ran an amazing tournament in Austin this past year. Um, for collegiate volleyball, they ran contingent with a juniors tournament, and a lot of the the crowd that and post COVID, the crowd that Stanford Hawaii game drew was over two thousand people. It was lights so, out, amazing, and so many young boys that had never seen men's volleyball at the collegiate level. It was it was so well done. And the AVCA, which is run by Kathy DeBoer, mm-hmm. yeah. to me is the per, the person, the squeaky wheel, who really helped and motivated women's volleyball to be a Division One sport. Yeah. And I'm just the biggest Kathy DeBoer fan. She originally got me to write my first check and then get involved with First Point because she and her husband did, not just with the AVCA, but personally as well. Her leadership in the development of volleyball at the next level and tying it in with First Point mm-hmm. and tying it in with the all, all these different resources, she's amazing. So if you can Very support cool. the AVCA, do it. What does having um, Stevenson declaring themselves an, an NCAA um, men's volleyball program mean uh, as far as a launching point? Um, is it much ado about nothing um, with, uh, with this being, you being closer to more of that wheelhouse? I'd like to think I know a little bit about everything because I ask a lot of questions and I got my nose in everybody's business. But um, And Stevenson, we both know. I mean, anyone's been watching Stevenson and, and that community, that, that volleyball community at, um, at Stevenson at the university knows that they're a bunch of savages. Don't, don't let the D3, don't let those three, those three little mm-hmm. lines fool you next to the D, man. There are some, there are some real freaking ballers out there, dude. And, and I, you know, I worked at Baruch College, so I had a chance to see them, you know, with the Stack family. And I had a chance to see uh, not just their team, but like the community and like the people around that place. So, um, what does it mean? What the hell is it? What what the hell does it even mean? That I still want to go back school? to Justin and his wife and all this good, great work they did back in that yes. community. Yeah, but the Stack uh, family, man. Yeah. yeah, Justin and Allison. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that. I don't yeah. we, we will. Se- yeah. Se- Se- That's look, right up savages. my alley, dude. I'm yeah. in. A, I'm an authority on that. Justin and I played at Hunter together. But that um, was a thing, which is again, there's some people don't let themselves lose. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> so true. You have to kill them. They're not going to quit. Yep. So true. And most people yeah. don't have killer instinct. They yeah. talk right. about it. They don't really have. They have yeah. victim instinct. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're good until it's tough. Yep. And then they get nervous and they pull back. Yep. And meanwhile, this other person on the other side of the net who's worked really hard. They're just not going to stop working. And that's the Stack family. Right. And everything they did was to bring better kids, hold, raise a level of accountability. It was never going to be an elite program. But, man, they were not there to lose to you. You had to beat them. And that's what I love about great coaches. Yeah. They, great programs start with great coaches. Amen. Yeah. Build culture. And then your athletes take all that stuff they learn there and they take it out into life. Todd Rogers, yeah. Kristen yeah. Rohr, yeah. Derek Olson, what he's building now, John Mayer, the yeah. people yeah. we keep talking about. Yeah. I mean, Justin is, Stack is a mensch, though. He's a mensch. He's, um, uh, for anyone that doesn't know what a mensch is, okay, we're, we're talking all in New York here. It is <laughs> a term that most, mostly Jewish people use, but it is, it is a good fella. Um, like the highest regard, the, high, the highest respect as a person in, in his up. profession yeah. and, pers- and personal life. It's Yiddish for Amen. somebody, somebody yeah. who will always do a good deed for somebody else. Not awesome. because they're going to get paid back, because they Amen. find the a way to do something. The world needs more of those. Yeah. Or <laughs> from the New York, hey, how you doing? Yes. How you, how, you, how you doing? Yeah, forget. Or like 15 ways to say forget about it, right? Forget about yeah. it. Yeah. I really loved um, Donnie Brasco, like Al Pacino. Uh-huh. Uh, no, was it? Yeah, it was Al Pacino and, and Johnny Depp. And he's a fed infiltrating the um, the mob yeah. in New York and Florida. And and the guys who are listening in, you know, who are who are on the wire listening to them, I, I keep hearing these guys say forget about it. And he's like, forget about it can mean like 15 different things. If girls got a hot body, oh, forget about it, you know. This guy, if this guy's acting like a nigga, ah, forget about it, you know. <laughs> if someone owes you money, but and they're but they're out of your life forever. Forget about it. You so it's like talking about this, the best pizza. Oh, yeah, forget about it. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Oh man, forget about it. It's easy. <laughs> Keep it simple. Yes, it's one way. One, it's 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 the New I York like interjection, simple. right? Like. Look, if we, you're too dumb to have a real vocabulary, yeah. forget about it. No, yeah, but we know don't. enough Dominicans that use the term coño for like everything. <laughs> that's, as I'm, in, I'm pretty like sure a, that's not a good word. It's, no, it's not a good word, but but they use it as an interjection. Yeah. You know? Or, well, or, New yeah. York was one of my favorite volleyball experiences of my life. This guy took me to, took Central, to Central Park, Park last year. Dude. I played nine games. I walked... My aura ring said 19 miles that day, and it was literally in the morning, yeah. the most one of the most fun days of my life, and definitely the most post 40 most fun days. Of Before my you life. say anything else, tell her the one person you met that's gonna make him smile. Tell him who was it? Oh, Ren Osborne. <laughs> Ren played for me. Yes. I mean that was the legendary conversation of my summer last year. He is. He's and we saying, hung out until, forget about it yeah forget oh about it oh my gosh forget about Ren's it Ren's nuts Ren's nuts but, but he but someone you know, who just says he, what they mean and mean what they say I love that he, he came <laughs> in he he was our defensive specialist he yeah. passed for us when he was 19 the kid was just such a, a mach- talent his forearms but, his, but he's a passing machine dude but, but, the, but the things that would come out of his mouth well, we'd literally it would be a timeout and he'd start to talk and people would go I'm begging you shut up <laughs> yes yeah yep. yeah it was it was a Ren in a very rare instance, because um, Ren, when 10 o'clock comes, um, you know, we want to hang out at night or whatever. If it's not dancing, like um, there's a place called a tunnel, like house music night or whatever. You remember the tunnel? Remember Palladium? Yeah. Like all of the nights that were house music night. He's there. He's dressed like a queen, turning and twisting, doing his thing. But if you want to hang out at a bar, 
No, he's. I'm going home. I'm not. I'm gonna get some Chinese food. So when I visited New York, it was the first time that um, he stayed out with us till three in the morning at Keats on like Forty Fifth. Neither him or on Forty Fifth Street and Second on Second Avenue, Second Avenue Forty Fifth. That was the first time, and I've known Ren since 1994. That was the first time I've seen him hang out for um, other reasons than his own. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, she was I, I, I didn't. I didn't have all the experiences with him that you did. I was yeah. kind of running a program. No, we were, we you, played with a bunch of guys. He was, he was the young kid. I don't think he fully knew who he was yet. Yeah. It was a different. It was a different stage. You're right. Of life. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but does. the one thing that was obvious is he was a true gifted talent. He was as good of a pastor as anybody. Yeah, that platform and, uh, is. Yeah. And, and he was just funny and nuts. He was just a great addition to a team. He made yeah. the team better. You mentioned something about um, people uh, working hard and, and the hard work they put in produces this level of um, uh, results that command everybody's respect and attention. And it's so weird that, like, it's always the guy who everyone says is too undersized, right? Like, um, well, we're Taylor Crab. We're going to talk about Taylor Crab in a minute, right? But um, Taylor Crab's six one, six two, right? He won Player of the Year at Long Beach State. He's indoor, not six, right? He's n- he's never been six two unless he's standing on a book. Yeah. Thank you. Gracious. Let's just use the term graciously listed, okay? Um, Riley Salmon, right? Six one. Another guy graciously listed. Um, never played NCAA volleyball. Wound up on the U.S. national team as the captain, no less. And anyone that follows men volleyball, men's volleyball like I do, they're not beating Serbia Montenegro without him. Him lighting it up. He did like two power dinks down the line, and then like some some out of system ball he he hammered line, and then a go ball for match point. It was 14-13. They needed a point, and they ran it. They ran a perfect go ball, the middle bit with the middle, and he just sunk it and. So, yeah, but he won that, that quarterfinals. David Lee won that semis, right? Remember the block, kill, block, kill, and then, then Stanley, Clay Stanley won, you know, against Brazil. But, yeah, but these are dogs in the fight. So I, I was trying to go somewhere with that. But I, but you talk about undersized yeah. guys, Karch. Yeah. Karch in both of his teams, but he, he was the best player in the world. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Todd Rogers. He's, he's God, right? Todd, world. Todd Rogers, the best attacker yeah. in the world for seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, it gets easy to forget how good the big guys are though it's true and it's just it's not as glamorous when you're pat powers and you're reaching 12 3 or 12 4 right. you're doing what you're supposed to do clay hitting, Stanley, hitting the ceiling yeah. in the coliseum so, I mean, so, so the, the point is the little guys it's always more spectacular when you watch uh stefan yeah. curry dunk yeah. yeah but you know again none of these guys win without having five guys on that team yeah or probably six or seven yeah who are all you don't realize all the little things they do because they're doing them right. They don't look spectacular. Mm. They're in the right place. They're doing. I mean, how many balls does David Lee touch as a blocker? Forget as a hitter. How many balls is he just slowing down like so redirect, that somebody yeah. is yeah. bringing it back into system? How many times is that's he the American some, way? <laughs> right. So just you, you look at those. You never win by yourself. No. Look at the '88 team. Right. They were the best control block team. Um, given, I mean, they weren't even. I mean, Craig Buck was the tallest guy on that team, right? Stavert League, not Stavert League. Doug Partee is a six forward middle, so um, control block was was one of their big things. And if they needed the stuff, they just moved Karch to that now, side. Now, 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 now the women's team is taller than that. Uh, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Wow, speaking of Karch, huh? How game, about game straight changed? Yeah, yeah. 
How about the speech, Wendy, that Karch gave after the women oh, won the gosh. indoor gold medal? Um, he kept saying they did it, not, not we did it or whatever. And we grew up, we saw the introverted Karch that was quiet or whatever, and then he'll rage out here in Rhode Island. Remember, remember Rhode he took Island? down the net? Yeah, remember he took down the whole net system? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, that's a freaking YouTube video I should be putting up right now. In fact, on the edit, guys, I'm just going to put that up just for fun. But um, for him to open up on a different level of, of celebratory like like an exhale and he couldn't get words out yeah wendy he couldn't it get was more. so genuine and it was so selfless like he really was so happy having those to get for those women to get that gold medal because they've fallen short so, you know and to, yeah. you've heard the stories of falling that short. was the first ever that was that was it yeah and he it really was just a genuine that was just a coaching moment yeah. of three silvers and two bronze yeah. you know how sometimes you have those um, moments in your life that are bittersweet. You can't believe how good it is, but still. Yeah. So I played against Karch a bunch of times in the last round of Open Nationals. I remember every one of them. He can't remember those 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as a player, I remember his intensity. It didn't matter how much they were winning or losing by. He played every point in the moment. And it was only that point, and the intensity was burning. And his ability to keep people with him, not alienate them. It, Todd, yeah. when Todd's playing with Phil, was very quiet. It was very hot. And you talk to Phil about it, it was very intense. You talk to the people who played with Karch, it was very intense. He brought that to the beach as well. Um, so it's fun that I was able to play on the other side of the court against him at the open round, at the last round of nationals, and it's bad that every time I did, he knocked us out. Um, <laughs> I had lunch with him a few weeks ago. Really? And the evolution of Karch Karai as arguably the best player indoor that you've ever seen, and one of the greatest outdoor players. He's my top three American goat for beach. He's top, top right, three, right there. And yeah. but when you talk, when I had the pleasure of sitting and talking with him at lunch. As good of as good as a player as he was, that's what he's 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 morphed into this great coach, loving, loving his program, mm -hmm. thoughtful, caring. We had a whole conversation about not the starting six, but what do you do with the kids who are coming through and aren't yeah. going to make it? What do they do? What do you do to help them? How do you help them grow and exist after they're from? You know, you were number. Four on the depth chart. Now you're number five. You're going the wrong way. You're going to go pros. How do they, How do you help them? How do you protect them? Uh, just an amazing human being. There's nothing in the world like a great player that's willing to humble himself and hit the reset button when he decides to be a coach. Like everyone thought Karcher's career started as an assistant coach on a national team. No, he was doing club. He was in the grind, the SCVA grind doing more with with less, losing games or whatever. All these other club coaches like, oh, I just beat Karch's, Karch's team or whatever, and this and that because cause they don't know any better. Um, and he literally hit the reset button, did it that way. And then, hey, you know, Karch, it's time. Quit messing around with club, come with him and the national team, boom. So talk about a guy who could have used his greatness and started started here and played glorified babysitter for, like, good players. But, no, he learned where people need improvement from the club scene, watching girls literally grow, figuratively grow, psychologically grow, that led him to, to coach some of these 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 girls that he picked 
because he got a lot of pressure, coach. He got a lot. He got a lot of blowback for who he chose to be on that team and not be on that team. I'm going to give you the floor in a minute, but I want to finish by saying this: Karch put him in a, himself in a situation where if he's going to be responsible for the loss, at least let him be the shot caller. Never put yourself in a position where you're not in charge of something, but you're responsible if shit goes wrong. The floor is yours. What I would say is that because of his success as a player, because of his success. <clears throat> As a thinker, mm-hmm. when you think of the great thinkers and you look at the men's indoor coaches and where they've come through, Karch had access to everybody. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter if it was Doug Beal or John Kessel or pick the great coach, insert great coach's name here. Dumpy, yeah. Dumpy. P- yeah. Pick the great coach. Yeah, whoever it is. But what he did that winners do is he didn't become one of them he took what he wanted from them and he made it his and I could not be more proud of him as a volleyball fan we all wanted to see that team win and we all wanted to see him get it and we wanted to see the women who were involved get it so it was really cool to watch yes it was just heartwarming as an American to watch that that uh, Olympics yeah Wendy, something awesome. you want to say about that Olympics? Oh, um, I mean, my, first of all, Micah yeah, Hancock, yeah, the setter from Penn State. You smiling because you know that's that's probably one of our favorite people. Yeah. She's she's someone that everyone looks at as. After all the stuff she's done, they're still looking at this girl as undersized. And after all all the work she put in, that one, you know, chips, um, lefty setter. I mean, her and her on two game. Uh-huh. Her on two game is gnarly, dude. Uh, and when she, when she, they they put her in the game because the setter got hurt, right? Uh, and she oh, had to was... play a match. When they put her in the match, that girl had a little she bit answered. of anger. She had a little bit of anger, dude. She had a little bit of anger, but and her face said, "I should have fucking been but, here." But in the how first about place, every one of the other women on that floor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just let's go. Yeah. You could see yeah. them all get behind her. It wasn't like, oh no, no. Oh, it was yeah. like. We're going. Right. But in a rare occasion where women is driven more by sisterhood and camaraderie and men is driven driven by leadership, this is the girl that, that actually, in, in almost a man move, said, you know, did lead. Well, you know, did. think about that. I mean, yeah. th- I mean, uh, additive to what you're saying, not not contrary. No, um, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, dude, I really, really loved it. I, I loved yeah, Congratulations to Karch. Yeah, but I, uh, Dane Blanton, say the same thing about him. Gold medalist, but then... Was a longtime assistant for Anya Carrier, learning the ins and outs, learning the, learning the politics. And when he became a coach, he was ready. You know, two-time, two-time defending champ. Um, in fact, he's the only male player to have an AVP championship, a gold medal, and an NCAA crown as a coach and player. No other, no other player holds that distinction. So. Okay, so yeah. talking about lunch partners, I had mm-hmm. lunch with Dane last week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I hope this proves, yes. I hope this goes to show that if you buy me lunch, yeah. I'm coming. Yes. Um, so I think Dane Fuck graduated. When do we got to get him lunch? I think he graduated <laughs> either 10 or 11 players last year. Right. Yeah. And what's cool about it Including was Tina, right? yeah. while we're sitting there, all these young kids are coming in that didn't even expect 6'2", 6'3", 6'3", 6'4". And these are his recruits. So this year, they're going to be good. Yeah. 
but a couple years. But wait till you see them in two years. Yeah. You're right. So I'll be. I mean, Stein. These girls are good. Those, oh. those second year players are going to be savage right now. Mm-hmm. Savage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun to see who wants to throw rocks at the SC program because right. you just graduated ten, mm-hmm. and this is the, his first year without Anna's recruits. Mm-hmm. Right. And. Because that's how you know who's a good coach. Right. It's but, the year after that yeah. one. Correct. And yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be really cool to watch how good SC is going to be in two or three years. Yeah. Because they're going to be well, savage. There's a, well, he instilled a competition system. There are a lot of girls that are in juniors right now wearing their dorky USC visor cap. I'm uh-huh. like, they're going to USC, they're going to USC. And I'm like, that don't mean, dude, that don't mean you playing. <laughs> Endless summer, Duran, I was one of Duran's uh, skills coaches, all right? I had three of our girls. Uh, Eden McCoy, Ava Kruchek, and um, um, Tatiana are all at USC. And I, 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 I bet you $100 none of them. None of those girls are starting in the pairs tomorrow, uh, next year. Maybe Ava. I don't know. Maybe not. Natalie, you know, UCLA, mm-hmm. also Endless Summer. She's pair four. She was ready. And she pulled the biggest gangster move ever because, right, everyone thought she was going to go to USC because Anna recruited her sister, 6'3", um, Karina. Karina. Because the, the word on the street was the sisters were tight. So, you know, it's great. So look, if I can teach a 6'3 girl how to play and get her sister, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's Anna, that's Anna Corrier. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one thing. And Anna, for the people who are listening, some people like her, some people don't. Yeah. I happen to like her. Me too. But even more than liking her, I so respected the program that she built. Yep. Some people didn't like it. Some people loved it. She created a program where she was pretty truthful with people. Look, you, you, you may not play, but if you want to play for the team that's the best team, you want to play for me. She believed everything she said. I think there was integrity to what she said. Doesn't mean a lot of people have to like it. Yeah. I really have enormous respect and appreciation for who she is and what she built. I believe I heard her once say, you can't be a prima donna and lose. You, you can only be a prima donna and win. And I think she was super necessary for a school like USC, which is which was was and is the hotbed for recruiting, the Mecca, uh, uh, beach volleyball, whatever, to take some of these girls who have no respect for some of their coaches, because their club coaches, because they think they know more. Um, come, come to USC with their chest taken out like they're going to start, and then you run into someone like her like... <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> exactly. You, you, some, better, some, you, gotta, you gotta earn it. I'm yeah. not giving it to you. Some of them need to yeah. tear it out, dude. I, I don't mean to, to disrespect any of these South Bay girls, but some of them do need the speech. They do need the tear down, the tear down and build up. They need the speech. You know, it's oh. a, it's a different generation. Yeah. It's and what's funny is, the people who play oh, at the Wendy, elite I gotta level. Show Wendy. <laughs> the people who the people who run the elite level really play at the elite level. One of the constants is they're not pretending. That's they're living it. And you get this group of people at the next level down, mm-hmm. and you're looking to complain about something instead of being optimistic, instead of finding ways to make it better. Um, I'm so blessed right now. I've got this great group of college and just graduated college women who we're working with. And we're now basically running practices 7.30 to about 10.15. Yeah. And it starts off with a lot of skills. A lot. It starts off a little bit slow. Then we, it keeps getting faster and faster. But it's not this two-hour magic ring the bell. 
take a look at all the players. Nicole Branham, Misty, Carey, pick mm-hmm. pick your pick your favorite player. Right. They spent the whole day playing. Mm-hmm. They were playing old school rules where games went for forty minutes. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Now we have I'm out there for two hours. Right. The fact is, the rest of the world isn't playing for two hours a day. No. They're out there and they're playing for six or seven. or That's what they do. And Taylor Crab, one of the things I love about Taylor Crab, Taylor goes to practice. Then he goes up to 21st Street. Then he's playing with, he'll be playing with a bunch of people who can barely play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's always touching a ball. Yeah. And it shows. Yeah. Let me, wow. Yeah. Ah, speaking of Taylor. <laughs> Taylor, Segway. where's he at? Where's, he at? where's my camera? How you doing, man? There, no, there's. How you doing, man? What's up, bro? So I'm gonna show you a video. This is a, a, this is actually a satire clip. So when you look at the subtitles on this, they're not actual, what actually what they said, but it's just someone having a little bit of fun. So let's do that. Sorry, Jesus, sorry. I'll go back. So here's how it started. So you'll see subtitles. So here's the uncomfortable stare. And they edited it out. It, it lasted for about seven seconds. It was stupid. So now here he is coming at him saying a seven-year-old can dig that. Follows him along. And then Haydn's like, come give me a hug. And then, of course, this is edited, clipped. Um, the, this is match point, which looks really synonymous to what the end of the, second, the first set looked like. Um, again, clipped, edited, because you don't see the muscle men. We were, t- we were talking about the muscle men. And there's Weber, I need a hug. <laughs> so there is, it, they had to be separated by two of the most muscular people in the AVP. Who are they? I'll name one, right? Um, Glazebrook. Josh, Josh who, who, Yes. Josh, who's on the workout plan by Rich Lamborn. So, so here's the thing. Let's just... just it's good. Do to you have, need a minute for this? <laughs> it's 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 good to have a little bit of uh, controversy. It's good to get a little heat out there, but yeah. Respectfully, John yeah. Hyden, lovely human being. Yeah. Respectfully, Bug, really good guy, charismatic, funny. Either one of you guys, you beat me up. It's elder abuse. I don't really care about either ah. one of you guys. Rich Lamborn ah. will rip my arms off me and beat me to death with them. Are you kidding me? I'm so much more worried about Rich Lamborn or Josh than I am about those two guys who, in the heat of the battle, who are such good competitors, who got a little pissed off and did a, did a lot of talking. Like I said, I think they should have been worrying about the two guys breaking them up, not those two guys going at it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, dude. I, I was doing a countdown clock as it a question. Was it was it a big deal or no deal? So I'll give you the rest of the clock. Big deal or no deal? I think it's really no deal. I think right. it's a heat of the moment. It's super competitiveness. It's a little bit of jong. And it's two guys who wanted to win so badly that they weren't going to tolerate any intrusion of bad behavior. I, I just think it's nothing. All right. Okay. Well, cool, man. I'm gonna pause this clock and go back because you are you don't need a whole minute to answer something <laughs> that took that took less than thirty seconds. Wendy? I mean, this was the first I kept texting you saying what the heck happened and right. but this is the first I've seen of it yeah. today, but um yeah, compared to a hockey game. Like it's just not beach volleyball culture. But compare that to a hockey game, and like that's what we're going for, right? So it's it does adds a little flavor to the beach volleyball game, but it's not. It's here and gone. It's here and gone. Nice. All right. My turn. Rewind the clock for me. Um, by, by the way, if you want to hear great Jong, Theo yeah. and Trevor. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great, John. Dude, Trevor. <laughs> it's been going on for years. Let me tell you something. I saw game three, Trevor and Try against Kalinske and Corey. And, uh, you know, in, game. In Hermosa? Yeah, game yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. And Randy and I, I Randy too. and I yeah. are calling this, right? So Randy Stokeless and I were, were doing my live stream, NY Varsity, because the AVP didn't have a live stream. So we called all of court three. Uh, me and him just bouncing back and forth. And on the switch off, I think Trevor tried to shake Corey's hand and Corey goes, Corey puts his, pulls his hand back and says, you dumb son of a bitch. And what's his name? Randy says, guys, we can't repeat what he said or whatever. <laughs> but my point, the point I was trying to make is if Corey's, if Corey's cursing at you, you fucked up. <laughs> if someone as nice as Evan Corey, you don't, and you train with him, you don't really hear that, that kind of language. I, I will tell you that I yeah. so hope that Corey meets his potential. Yeah. This is one of those guys he's, you meet, you like, mm -hmm. you root for. He's truly a good guy. He's a he's he's yeah. so physical. He's you know, it just he's got every tool. Nice. And I hope he really finds right the ways to reach his potential cuz right. he he really could he can be fantastic. So Corey's up next. Let me finish with Taylor. Mm -hmm. uh, put the, put this put this on a whatever and I'm I'll just use my one minute. So Taylor, right? One of the most respectful brothers I ever met. On his worst day, he's, he meets his media obligations and he always shows everybody respect, commensurate, I guess, for how Daddy Crab raised him, all right? On his best day, when he won the AVP in, in New York, he gave me the first interview the next day, which is a 25 minute interview, a month after I said neither he or his brother were going to win one this year, okay? So that, that's a testament to his thick skinness or whatever and this and that. So now, with that being said, with 30 seconds left, as did a question of, of whether it was was it shameful embarrassing and, and embarrassing or was there uh just part of the game the answer is that's a false dichotomy it's both it was shameful and embarrassing and everybody loved it we're human beings we love train wrecks jersey shore had five fucking seasons okay um <laughs> uh, seinfeld uh, no spring uh jerry springer right voted the rest the worst show on television and celebrating its 15th season yeah. jerry springer so i have not had a chance to talk to taylor so any all the things i want to say and really really like lay into him and have fun out of fairness to the guy um i will just poke fun and not not give a serious answer but it was shameful and embarrassing yes and people loved him and people loved them for it all right i mean but but if you actually look at the video i, I my first take was like man bro this 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 bro got a screw loose because i the because the way he just stopped randomly and just approached him but i don't know what john said to he's him. i don't know what height but it but, it, but it doesn't even matter the guy's six yeah. foot nothing he's got a bionic shoulder He's a great volleyball player. Right. He's not a good volleyball player. Yeah. And for him to play at six foot at that level, he's always got to be at 100%. Right. You can't coast. No. So he's playing for a real. He's, he, he qualified for an Olympics. Everything he does is at 100%. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah, so he that, came out with as much edge as he's got. I'm okay with it. you got to have that edge. Or you're not getting yeah. to that level. Correct. Yeah. I am not okay with the sore winner, though. I'm okay with the trash talk, but this whole, and you see it in club, and maybe they're raising these kids like this, like shaking your hand and doing this this stare like they're better than you and this and that, just kind of this demeaning thing where winning is not enough. I, as an East Coast guy, mm. you, you we've, we've been in basketball games, right? We went to Rucker Park, and, and we've seen things where people had to be separated, but when the game's over, 
they they looked you in yeah. your eye and they shook your they shook yeah. your freaking hand. Well, if they well New York, if they don't, it goes to the next level. But that's different. It's a different story. So that's the only caveat and the only problem yeah, I had. Well, since since Taylor, you're my boy and I love you and I respect you. But since when the fuck is winning not enough? You know, oh, wait, 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 and, wait, wait, and but, I really but, really but, want to talk to. But you I gotta tell you, that. you come out here from. I competed my whole life. Right. I didn't need everybody, everybody to be my best friend. No. I've had people out here, oh, dude, why do you have to be like that? Well, uh-huh. you act like a jackass. Yep. And then I call you out. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing something wrong because I'm calling you out for being a jackass. Nope. Yeah. This everybody, bro, bro, love, hug, and then they get behind each other's and back and they talk trash. I have no time nope. for that. Yeah. Guess what? I don't need to practice with you. I don't need to play with you. You don't have to come to my house. I don't like have to eat lunch with you. But like you were talking guy. about pregame. And you were talking about during the game. When the game is over. I'm a big believer. You, 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 you play, Don't you, be a fucking sore winner. You, you come like a gentleman, you leave like a gentleman. Right. That's my opinion. Yeah. And sometimes some people don't really accept yeah. that. And if they don't accept it, then they don't want to have the repercussions. Yeah. Sometimes you get the repercussions. People I'm okay also, with that. Yeah. And, and there had to be a shitload of adrenaline pumping. Like, take a look at the given circumstances before the match, right? What was the match before that? What was the match mm. before that? It was Theo and Kane. Dude, there was a 17-4 technical timeout right. in the second set. So I know that had to be some heat, you know? So that's on the court. Off the court, I'm tired of listening to some of these haters um, saying that, oh, Taylor should be a full, uh, Sanders should be a full-time defender somewhere else. And I'm like, this is the first year that, they've, that they're, they're a team. And excuse the shit out of them that they only finished second. <laughs> on like the four tour stops. Excuse the shit out of them that they only finished second as a new team. Dude. This playing, is, playing, I, playing Theo, who's healthy. Theo, for the first time, is healthy. Dude, uh, you take a look at what the Taylors are doing and yeah. how much better they keep getting. Yeah. So guess what? Stay and, to, and by the stay way. Stay together, so, dude. Yep. Take a look at what's the constant. You had Jake and Taylor. Who's yep. Who's coach? It was Rich, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's coach now? Still Rich, right? Right. Loyalty, hard work. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Keeps them together, keeps them balanced, keeps it fun, yep. keeps a great perspective. Who was the first guy between everybody? Oh, mm-hmm. Rich. Mm-hmm. Rich, yeah. Rich the mediator, man. I'm glad, dude, I'm glad Rich is muscular and nice. <laughs> but, you know, that's the point, well, which is it's easy to look at just the players. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. And, yeah, they have two fantastic athletes. They also have a pretty damn good coach. Yeah. I Well... Honestly, and, he's, and I, honestly, he's a very good guy. And the first guy between them was him. He's earned, well. He's also earned the right to be called a good coach. Because when I first found out he was he was coaching Jake or whatever, and I'm like, okay, that's that that's just a good old boys thing, right? He won a gold medal for indoor, good enough to qualify me to coach beach. But no, this you're right. There is something very very different and special about the 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 work that that man puts in off the court. Clearly, living it. I'm I'm sure living in a video room like a hermit. He, he knows his strengths. Right. And if you talk to him, he knows his strengths. He also knows his weaknesses. And he doesn't play to his weaknesses, and he doesn't pretend that he's good at where he's weak. Right. He knows where he's good, and he stays where he's good. Yeah. And he's, and, and again, uh, you know, I had, the, I had the pleasure of coaching with him with Theo and Casey Patterson one year. I saw it. And, uh, again, I learned a lot from Rich Lamborn. Hopefully he learned something from me. I doubt it, probably about buying me lunch. Yeah. But beyond that, it's a... Uh, he, he he's very what he does well he does very well 
It let him be an yeah. Olympian. It let him be a gold medalist. It's let him be a beach volleyball coach. It's not random. This guy works his ass off. He's really good about instilling teammate value too, uh-huh. right? Because like in 2008, okay, he's Olympian. But that team took every single person to win. Uh-huh. I just told you, Riley Salmon, semi, uh, quarters, David Lee, semis, uh, um, Reed Pretty, Reed, mm-hmm. um, Reed Pretty against the Italians, the, first, the opening game against the Italians. The dude, it's like anything, any second hit that was popped in the air behind his head, he one step yeah. back, boom, I was just, he looked like Ahmed on transition. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my God. But like you said, Reed Pretty, Riley Salmon, uh, Ryan Millar. Um, had him on the podcast and he talked about the fun run, the big smile on his face. Rich Lamborn against the Russian team, match point. Uh, um, uh, Chris Olnikov, uh, what the hell is the opposite's name? Just this. I'm impressed that he can No, do he's just like a walking this oppo, of This is unbelievable. It's no, but this oppo yeah. set for Sir Ball position one. Uh, an ace, really just an ace. Rich comes out, just lunges out right hand. Uh. In system, so a one arm on match point. Like if he misses it, that's a wrap. There and they're playing for the bronze. Boom, saves the freaking play. So it's so it's rich. But we talked knew, about knew, guys. Knew the value of being guys, a good but, teammate. But you talk too. about the guys who you had to kill because they're not going to quit. Right. Rich Lamborn. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Reed Pretty. Yeah. Reed Pretty. Yeah. Clay Stanley. You guess that mm-hmm. whole Riley. I mean, just great moment. They're, for, not, they're, they're not there randomly. Right. They've put themselves in the moment, and they're leaving. Yeah. No, there's no fear. There's no boogeyman under the bed. Yeah. They're there to win, and you have to beat them. They're not going to lose. The one thing I thought that made Craig Clay a great opposite at the end, because 2004 was, a, I mean, you come with a chip on your shoulder, you're playing the international scene, then you get roofed off the court, and you're like, all right, I need to revisit this shit. Clay accepted that opposites get blocked a lot all right out of system set right your libero's yeah. trying to pump one you got three 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 man block russian the rush and not not just a three-man block that has holes like swiss cheese no the russians it, it's literally a wall you're effed yeah you're effed once he accepted that getting blocked is the life of a gangster and just keep swinging because yeah. that's the opposite's function right and most yeah. most world systems right that's that's your best offensive player right uh, um once he learned that he just then he started getting kills. He just started getting kills. He's like, all right, that's 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 my life right now. That, right? Everybody gets blocked, you know. And think about all the teams too uh, um, that have good three three person blocks, right? Serbia, Montenegro, the you know Gerbic, uh, always that third blocker coming out there. Um, block his brother's a setter, right? He's a, Gerbic and Gerbic, so he's always out there uh, doing that third block. And his brother, who's a setter, always coming out against the apple three man block, six two blocking six eight dudes. Man, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah, but I love good great teams, and I love the thing I liked about this particular American team. It wasn't driven by one or two players who are rock stars like. 84, Pat Powers and Steve Timmons, right? 88, right? Uh, nah, you know, yeah. I, I'm going to go against you on that one. Please, tell me. You had Pat Powers. You had a young Karch Karai. Yeah. You had Dusty Dvorak, the best setter in the world. Yeah, he had so hands he, like he, rocks, they, they, but he was the best setter, though. He, he ran a middle-based option offense, and he would hold the ball a little bit. And yeah. he was looking at their middle blocker. Their middle blocker is not up. He knew where his middle blockers were. Right. Mm-hmm. So their middle blocker wasn't up. We, they were hitting a zero tempo or half tempo. It was so amazing watching how he had everybody going the wrong directions. No, we were. That, that was that was a heck of a team. That what was, was the, a heck of a team. What was the first NCAA match you ever watched? 
I think it was 1946. They played with a stone. Um, <laughs> the first one I... You know, it was the first one I saw was uh, the Rutgers NCAA. Nice. That was the the, first the one Final Four, right? Nice. Wendy, what was the first one you you, you saw? Indoor. It's probably most likely indoor, right? I mean, we go... Yeah... That's part of my story. I didn't really grow up. and I kind of created my own volleyball obsession. Right. I mean, I'm sure I went to some Fresno State matches with friends. i got to be honest with you. My I'm first NCAA sure. match I watched was a final. It was 1990, and it was um, USC and Long Beach State. USC had Brian Ivey, you know, uh, Becker, Greenbaum, um, uh, Tom Selleck's kid. And um, Long Beach State had this goofy foot named Brent Hilliard. Lefty approach hits with his right, did not just like we said before, take take out the trash. Zach right. Small, uh, Jason Stimpig, good setter, you know. And it was on free t- free free two channel two. It's nineteen ninety free TV channel two, and I'm just like, this is awesome. They, people do this in college, you know, because New York, right? We're a three sport uh, culture. Yeah. Uh, um. Wow, people actually can do this in college. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. the, the Yankees, the Mets, and who else? <laughs> right, who else is there? Right? You know, no, well, the Knicks. I already gave up my card. I'm, like, I, ain't, I can't, dude. Like Steve, Stephen A. Smith said, I stopped going to Ruth's Steakhouse at Madison Square Garden because he thought the Knicks might contaminate the meat. He said, that's how bad it's gotten. For when, him. When, when Steve Cohen, who just bought the Mets, turns around and buys the Knicks, I'll start going again. Thank you. Did, when you heard me say that too, when Dolan sells the team, come see me. You know, but hey, LA's a good plug. Good place to be a Lakers fan. <laughs> so, um, we want to finish with 60 seconds of lightning rounds. When I got four questions over there, but you can add add whatever you want. So, the three of us, we're going to take 60 seconds. I'll, I'll answer one at a time until the clock expires. So, let's reset this clock again. Um, actually, I got the horn that whatever. So, Wendy, anything you want to add after that? Because you always have really fun ones. All right? Yeah. God, my brain's full these days. Let me no, a second. I'll do it. I could, <laughs> Wendy, I could carry that water. Double right. come to me. So, question one, go. Freeze or no freeze? No freeze. No freeze. We, you know, the fact is, it was yeah. a cool idea, but we got to play by the rules of the world. we yeah. got to prepare our players to play by the rules of the world. Yeah. Good point. Um, uh, how about you i you know i stay present i love i like no you like freeze no okay. yeah i i got used to it and then i got unused to it so it's right. fine <laughs> like, Go ahead, yeah pool or beach 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 i gotta say now new york i hated the beach but now it's our it's our office that's my office that's where i love being there i love the vibe i love the people yeah, everything about it is just yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I grew up in the pool, but I live at the beach now for a reason. So yeah, <laughs> I'm and beach the, now. And, and even if, when you're done coaching, even when you're done playing, there's so many nice people, and you go by, you say hello. They, you, it's a place to make friends. It really is such an amazingly warm, good, holistically good place. Healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I like this. Yeah, community. Agreed. Um, last good book you read? Last good book I read. I reread Dune recently. Oh. So if you're a science fiction fan and I saw the TV show, so yeah. I reread the book. And 
just the complexities, the intricacies, the ability to take you to a different place, the ability to... It's a different version of Game of Thrones. Yeah. But it's just so well done, so well written. Cool. Last book I read. How about you, Jay? Well, I I don't even like reading, so I, I give everybody the same answer. It's been a minute, even though I just started reading Scars and Stripes by Tim Kennedy. Dude, that was going to be mine. <laughs> Oh, she got M&M's from 8 Mile. I, know I got lots of books for you, though. Just like, like M&M's from 8 Mile. I got lots of books, Mile, but that book... I said everything she oh was going to say. No, that book is... All right. Uh, um, so good. So, all right. Last good book I read is Laura Hildebrand, um, Unbroken. They made a movie out Amazing. of it. It's about a, a guy, Louis Zamperini, who I think one of the one of the first few guys to break the four-minute mile mm-hmm. and wound up... And his, grew his up pla- here. Yeah. Torrance. Yeah. And his plane yeah. crashed... And he survived the ocean for like three months and then wound up on the wrong oh, side of the ocean. You haven't seen this? So he wound up... Just watch the movie. At, so it's basically out of the frying pan into the fire. He was wound it's up... unreal. He was in the ocean, for uh, stuck in the ocean for th- almost three months and then wound up in Japan and then wound up in a prison camp the next no, year. It, and, and he survived. And it did not break I mean, him. The guy lived to like 99 years old or some crazy shit. And the, the airfield yeah. over here, Zamperini mm-hmm. Field is named after him. The, yeah. You know, down PCH. So this, but, guy, this guy no. had no look but bad oh, looking. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and still won. just one. resilient. So, like, amazing that's awesome. story. So, the, of course, uh, I'll go basic bitch and say the, 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 the book is better than the movie. Yeah. But, the, dude, the movie's worth a watch, too. Have you, have you ever read job. Shackleton? No. Okay, mm-hmm. another book for you. Since okay. for, for those of you who like these uh, books of survival and yeah. conquering, Shackleton. Shackleton. Okay. Cool. Wendy. Well, besides Scars and Stripes, which I did not know the guy was from San Luis Obispo, and he was going to go through all of my wrestling team buddies from Cal Poly, from Chuck Liddell to all the guys that were training at the pit when I was in college. So I cracked that book, and I'm like, oh my gosh. They were like living the life that they're they're my contemporaries, so I was loving that. Um, So that book is fantastic. Um, My second favorite, though, has been McConaughey's Green Lights. Super easy read. Green Lights? He's master with his yeah, and listen to it with his voice. But like, I read it and then I gave it to my son and was like, just simple life lessons from somebody that actually, he's not a prima. Like he's got it figured out. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and he's a creative, so he's got that kind of like, you know, hippie spirit in him. But man, there's some there's some real simple wisdom in that book. So before we talk about McConaughey, Tim Kennedy is um an a Green Beret. Uh, turned into mixed martial artist. He was in the UFC for a while. He was really razor close to getting a title shot at the mm-hmm. UFC. He's pri- uh, at Strike Force before that and fought mm-hmm. for the title against Luke Rockhold. And I'll, everybody says, like, away from the cage, like with no rules, is the last guy. You don't want to fight this guy with no rules because I guess his training was more about survival instead of competition. So, so Scars and Stripes tells a lot of his stories. He was yeah. he's blacklisted by like um, Al Qaeda, the Taliban. They put yeah. in like bounties like million dollar bounties on this guy's head he lives in a military gated community right now but and he did a documentary called finding hitler all of the nazis that escaped um um germany you know to go mark, and, and to go to to go you to know mark uh, Luttrell is right um no but tell the audience lone survivor if you ever right. seen the movie lone survivor. oh yeah Wahlberg. yeah so if you want to do something funny or not so funny mm-hmm. so Marcus Luttrell is the lone survivor of his SEAL team. He uh, should have died. <laughs> um, he should have yeah, he should by have that died. movie. He, yeah, he, he but he at the end he literally gets shot off 
a hillside and goes down a cliff. He breaks his hip, breaks his sh- shoulder, uh, broke his back. He couldn't feel his legs from the waist Jeez. down. And when he woke up and he realized that he was still alive, um, he picked up a rock. And he, all he could think, at SEAL training, they talk about ring the bell, don't ring the bell. Because if right. you ring the bell, you're done. You're yeah. warm, you're out. comfortable, yeah. you're out. It's yeah. a voluntary, don't voluntary ring, exit. Yeah. Don't yeah. ring the bell. Right. And a lot of the guys would say, gotta go, gotta go. You, 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 it's go time, gotta go. I can't, I'm not gonna let myself quit. He picked up a rock with his hand. He's lying, he's basically paralyzed from the waist down and he drew a line as far as he could reach. With his hands, he pulled himself across the line. Between passing out from pain and dehydration, he did that for two days until he was finally rescued. Yeah. And then he, and they bring in, he was luckily brought to the Americans, not to the other side. So Oof. hospital ship surgeries, Comes back to the U.S., they get him a rescue dog. He's, uh, he's a Texas boy. His brother is also a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Um, anyway, long story short, they got him a rescue dog, and uh, he hears a bang, and he goes outside, and somebody shot his oh my dog. And these two idiots with a gun shot his dog Mm-mm. for no reason. So if Mm-mm. you Google Marcus Luttrell 911 call, yeah. you can hear the call. As he's on with the police and he's talking about it as he's chasing these people. They shot my dog. Yeah. Um, how fast are you going, sir? I'm going 100 miles an hour. Uh, sir, we don't want you to get hurt. I'm okay with that. Do you have a weapon with you, sir? Actually, two. Two 9mm Berettas. Yes. We're going to have a gunfight. And he's talking about it like <laughs> saying, hey, would you pass me that Diet Coke? You want to hear a badass? You want to hear somebody who's trained at that next level? Yeah. There's no fear. There's yeah. nothing holding back. No. You better get him first. And he's not threatening. He's no. just dating fact. Was, yeah. So Even when you cute. talk about, one of the things I send all of the players that I coach, is, and I will forward it to you when mm-hmm. we're done with this, is there's a bunch of Navy SEAL sayings. And to me, they're basic sayings about how you never give up. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Gulf mm-hmm. War vet, so I, I mean, I'm not a SEAL or anything, but... As someone who's every male mem- member of my family served in the military, and my kid sister just did two, two tours in Afghanistan. Thank you for your service. Um, I mean, yeah, that. man. Hey, any and yeah. vets will say anytime. <laughs> you know, it's almost we. It's a, to us. It's equivalent to us giving you a ride to a gas station when you ran. That the answer is anytime. <laughs> but you are there is a mentality that comes with CRC, um, um, like the academy, where. Even the best members of the spec ops community are ringing that freaking bell voluntarily. But when you get through yeah. that, that what he just said, I'm yeah. not threatening you. I'm just it's a warning. I'm letting you guys know it's not going to go your way. But I wanted to go back to something else human, and um, well, maybe not human, but the crazy thing about you don't have to be an animal lover to have this instill anger to, to find out when some if someone shot your dog. Like no. I'm not. I don't have. I don't have a pet, but. If if I'm a 911 operator and I'm telling him, hey, calm down, calm down, and he, he says, they shot my dog, I'm going to be like, go, I understand. <laughs> go get him. Oh, fuck him up, dude. Go get him. <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I have a bunch of friends who are tier one guys mm-hmm. and uh, or ex-tier one guys. Mm-hmm. And they have a saying, which sometimes violence is the answer. Right. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Because for all of us who live in this kind of community, it should never be the answer. Right. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, sometimes it is the answer. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're put in situations where you're not dealing with rational people. You're not dealing with people who care about your life or your family's life. Yeah. You know, going back to the Taylor Crab thing, they got mad. They jawboned. They walked away. They'll bust each other's chops. Yeah. They're two good guys. Yeah. Nobody pulled a weapon. Yeah. Nobody tried to do some sort no. of random act of violence. But if they ever met in the MBO... I think whoever does the media, whatever, Josh Glazebrook, do your job. You you better believe they're going to show high. They should say if they don't show highlights of a story that shapes that finals to make it interesting, which at the same time, it turns me up at the same time I'm interested in. That's because you're an animal. Yeah. You are a savage. <laughs> I am. Hold on a second. Oh! He's a savage. All right. Do you have any more? What's the other question we got over there? Uh, oh, lightning round. Have? Oh, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Oh, what the? Ooh. Sorry, Lord of the Rings. Science, big science fiction guy. Ooh. Love Harry Potter. Yeah. Kind of, I like the intricacies of uh, Lord yeah. of the Rings more than I like the the magic of uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Kyle Friend, and we asked him that question. He's like Harry Potter, and I just went, "Well, that's Kyle Friend." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Friend is the sweetest human being on the planet. That makes sense. Dude, Kyle Friend's someone I go care. I want to go karaoke with. He, I think I have a good time. But I'm, I'm with you, Lord of the Rings. What a great guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a great, yeah. great podcast. Great episode. Um, yeah. So fun. yeah, that Such was a, a fun good one. guy. Yeah. Matt Prosser too, uh, who was his yep. mentor or whatever. I don't like to use the word mensch because that's supposed to be the highest respect. And oh, he's such yeah. a yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, because yeah. we just said Justin, I'm not, I can't, you know, but like you no, said. No, there's this group of people some, who are really yeah. wonderful people. Kyle yeah. happens to be one of them. David see. Lee happens to be Which one. Which one? I'm a Harry Potter girl. She's a Harry Potter? Because I have four kids. My second, when my daughter loved it from the time she was in second grade, we just watched the movies on vacation last week. So Did you yeah. ever read The Hobbit? No. I'm buying you the book. Alrighty. I'm buying you the book. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, we wanted to wrap up, but before I wrapped up, McConaughey, the other book was... Um, Green Lights. No, but the other book was um, um, Conservative Early, Liberal Late. Yeah, that's my favorite I thought quote. that was I thought that was a really good look for, regardless of what political affiliation, it's just well, kind of... It's takes... kind of this thing that brings everybody to have this... To go, yeah. this, right, to have, to go, to, to, go well, to this place, under this place where everyone can meet and talk. Right, like but because what he's getting at is not really conservative or... or liberal mm-hmm. in the media sense of the words he's getting right. at like how you have values and then you are when you have those values you're able to see shades of gray as you get older and make better choices ah. if you don't have those values underneath you then when you hit those shades of gray everything goes it makes bananas. and it makes complete yeah. sense dude yeah. and sorry anything you'd like to finish um wait 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 before we go Anyone who wants to get to know you, uh, know what you're up to. Is there a particular website or is there or an IG handle? Someone that wants to follow you a little bit. And I know you don't like people following you. No. He's <laughs> like, like, came for a chat, Jay. Oh, my God. I should have put you on solo camera for that, that one, good. dude. He's like, no. no. Uh, Ref Dave Carson says, tell Fish I said hello from Atlanta. Tell we, Big Wave Dave I am your biggest fan. Yeah, me too. He came on the podcast and we talked for an hour and 41 minutes uh, well 41 minutes of the hour was about hands it was a great brave... wait 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 wait. that is something Dave you do not know a lot about but yeah. we appreciate that you're going to be calling him anyway yeah <laughs> yes no but I love that no because a lot of refs don't want to talk about it he's he's the guy oh, he's great he's the guy that came forward I'll come on the podcast and talk to you about it and, and that was 
that was enriching. That was. Uh, By the um, way, I, I have to say this. Please. Having been an advisor to the AVP and on the board for a bunch of years. Yeah. Okay, people don't understand how much stress those refs are under. Yeah. Do they make every call right? No. But no. they make so many of them right. They're so consistent. They're so good at what they do. Dave, I'm, I really am your biggest fan. Um, but it's just a great group of people. And you know something? Think about the work that these guys do, traveling all over totally. the country, showing up, packing bags. It's hard to be an athlete. It's just as hard to be the, to be a ref. I have so much it's respect hard. for these guys. Yeah. Look, we'll call, uh, I love to give you the last word, but I can't help myself. It's hard making a call where, like, you know someone's not going to be happy. The net shook. Someone looked, looked at the net. Everyone's looking at you. You have to call what you see, and the other person so just loses can, their freaking mind. Can I share one quick mind. story? Absolutely. Um, so, dude, um, this is a podcast. So we're, 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 we're in Hermosa Beach, semifinals. And Dave's calling a game. Uh huh. I walk up behind him. Yeah. And he makes a call, and I yell, "Come on, Blue! What are you looking at?" And half of Rosie's Raiders are there, and they start jumping on with <laughs> oh, me. Oh God! Next play, <laughs> something happens, and I start yelling at Dave again. Rosie's Raiders—they're right there with me. Come on! Why didn't you, why didn't you see it? And then finally, there's a play, and. He calls somebody for a throw, and uh, I said, what are you looking at? What, is it game too fast for you? What are you looking at, Blue? And I can see from behind his shoulders tense. tense. He turns around, takes a whistle out of his mouth, looks at me, goes, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> hi, Dave. And all of Rosie's Raiders are going, you know him? I said, yeah, he's a, real, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Like, Let's chops. go home, boys. And he said, this was hey, so, so, a rib. So Dave looks at me and goes, you know, you know when this is done, I'm going to come down here and kick your ass, right? And I said, I respect that. Yeah, there I it have, is. Said, Dave Carson, you, you really are a great one. That is a story to tell. And, uh, and uh, oh, shit, that's a hell of a way to leave this podcast. That's a story I'm going to take with me. That was great. So very, thank you very much for coming on the show. For everybody else, Mark Fishman might love you, but I don't love you. In fact, I can't stand any of you. So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad, for all of you on your desktop or your Droid or your cell phone, or, or does do Droids even exist anymore? So listen, for my, man, for my lady, Wendy Jones, class act, thank you for joining us for my man mark fishman right there on the screen i'm jason debiss we're going to hit my music but for now we're out come check out the option podcast on optiondb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're going to love what you hear well thank you for having me really